We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Packaday Podcast and Packaday Podcast Live. I'm your host, Andy Herman, which does not matter at all because I have way better guests to talk about in intro. So let's get started right away. First of all, is from WLUK Fox 11 here in Green Bay, sports reporter extraordinaire Nicole Menner, and of course, the one and only Matt Schneidman. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Schneidman of athletic fame. He is currently on Aaron Judge Watch. So if anything happens with Aaron Judge while we are on the stream, you will be the first to know because Matt will be the first to know, and then we will all know from there. So guys, friends, how the heck are you doing? Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate you both incredibly much. So excited to be on here. And if Aaron Judge hits a home run and Schneidman goes crazy, I might have to hang up. Fair enough. I'm doing great. I'm I'm uh, ready for London. I'm excited to go. And I may or may not have a stream of the Yankee game in the background, but my full focus is on this. I can guarantee you that. 
I, if I were in your place, Matt, just to be totally transparent, I would have like 40% focus on this. Um, so I totally get it and, and understand, uh, especially if Aaron Judge is up to bat, you can just tell me and we're good to go. But obviously we've got a lot of Packers stuff to discuss and I'm so excited to talk with both of you about it. I want to start with the latest signing, Eric Wilson, uh, new linebacker, had a stint obviously with the Minnesota Vikings, was on the Saints practice squad. He gets to go to London in back-to-back weeks, assuming he went uh, a week ago. Um, but this seems like a special team signing and it seems like Brian Gutekinds is sort of, you know, stacking special teams talent. Um, Matt, did this signing kind of catch you by surprise where they didn't elevate somebody from the practice squad or is just this Brian doing, you know, what Brian does through the, the middle of the season? Yeah, it didn't really catch me by surprise. I mean, this guy has played against the Packers a bunch when he was with the Vikings and kind of goes back to what Matt LaFleur talked about uh, or has talked about in recent weeks. And that's signing guys who are not, you know, linebackers first who also happen to play special teams, but signing special teamers who also happen to play linebacker, if that makes sense. And he's one of those guys, you know, I don't know how much he'll, he'll know right away or contribute right away, but obviously with Chris Barnes dealing with uh, that ankle injury, I believe it was that he suffered a couple weeks ago and Caleb Jones going on NFI, they had an open roster spot uh, and they, they normally carry four inside linebackers. So look, maybe Eric Wilson is, is about to take Devondre Campbell's spot if he misses a few more tackles like he has, but I doubt it. I think it's just depth and special teams. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Nicole, Matt mentioned, right, like a special teams player first who can also play another position. That worked out pretty darn well for Rudy Ford, who they got from the Jaguars. He had a really nice week this week, but sort of stockpiling these special teams players, whether it's Dallin Levitt, Keyshawn Nixon, um, now Eric Wilson, like all of these guys are really coming in handy, and this special teams has been much improved so far this season. Absolutely. And I think the more the more special team vets you can bring in, the better right now. The Packers special teams unit still kind of trying to figure some things out. After the Tampa game, it looked like things were really on the up. Um, and maybe after this week, still trying to, as, as all three phases, still trying to kind of figure things out and find some more consistency week to week. Yeah, certainly. Just another weapon for Rich Passaccia. I know Zach Cruz tweeted out, uh, these were Eric Wilson's special teams grades during his stint with the Vikings per PFF. I don't know who does grades. It's so ridiculous and lame. I trust Andy Herman's grades way more than PFF. I was going to say, every week, I'm like, I just let you guys do the work. I go to your Twitter (laughs) and figure out what the grades are and who's graded the best. Perfect. I I should do the same thing if we're being honest here. But uh, per PFF, here were his special teams grades in 2017, 90.2, third best in the NFL, 78.9 in 2018, 75.5 in 2019, and 90.0 in 2020, ninth best in the NFL. I don't know if Zach uh, conveniently left off 2021 uh, because it was way worse, but uh, either way, I had a special team stint uh, in Minnesota when he was there. So uh, again, whether it's the the guys we mentioned, Corey Ballantyne, they picked up as a practice squad guy who has a lot of special teams experience. It's just nice that this isn't just a, you know, afterthought, like it kind of had been in the past. Still think they can probably do something maybe about returner, but we'll talk about that a little bit later as well the bigger thing besides uh special teams is obviously the Packers traveling to London this week Matt I'll start with you since you are traveling to London uh, you can probably speak to maybe the challenges of traveling over to London on a game week but how is this going to affect Matt LaFleur the Packers he, he was very tight-lipped in his press conference about their preparation this week yeah I think he just doesn't want to take the time to explain it to us I don't think there's any real competitive right? advantage to it um look I went over in 2018 when I covered the Raiders and they played the Seahawks and the Raiders spent the entire week over there. I I was in London for a whole week. Um, So obviously the Packers are taking a different approach. Uh, Rogers was saying on, on with Pat McAfee today, how if it was up to a vote, if the players got to vote, it might've, you know, come out differently and the Packers might've spent the whole week over there. I think they're going to try and stay up as long as possible when they get there on Friday, it's going to be tough. And like Matt said, earlier in the week, whoever, you know, handles the travel better and kind of strategizes how they're going to adjust to the time difference better will probably perform better. I still have not decided how I'm going to do it. I'm leaving Friday morning, getting there Friday night. I'm probably going to fall asleep during the game, but uh, so be it. I don't have to play and hit people, but it's tricky because you don't know if you, you know, stay up or go to sleep right when you get there. I remember when I first got to London a couple of years ago, I had no idea what to do. And and my whole day was thrown off. Like I was up through all hours of the night. I was sleeping during the day. It just felt weird. So uh, I think the key is to just be there for a short amount of time as possible. So you just have to make like a a quick switch. And I also think they're doing that because when you come back to green Bay on Monday, 
then their bodies won't have to readjust to central time after being on British time for a week. Now, if they had a bye week, maybe they would have spent the whole week in London, but they have to get ready for the Jets. So it's probably better in that regard that they're only spending two days. So they're not going to get completely used to British time before they come back. Nicole, your thoughts on, uh, you know, how this could affect Green Bay and, uh, you know, obviously having to face a a Giants team that's three and one. And then as Matt kind of mentioned, right away have to turn around and then get ready for the Jets right when they get back. Well, and I actually think that's the biggest struggle with it. You don't just have to worry about getting there and getting adjusted. You have to worry about how you deal with coming back in the next game when there is no bye week. Um, So I think it's absolutely a struggle. Like Matt said, Rogers said today that they're trying to stay up as long as they can on Friday. I'm sure they'll do lights off on the plane Thursday night. Maybe they sleep. Uh, on the plane that's the goal then practice Friday morning and just kind of try to get acclimated as best they can but it's a physically demanding stretch as Roger said post game um the the team that is prepared the most I guess and can handle the the craziness of the travel the best probably will win um and and yeah the Packers as, as we've said they have some things to figure out as far as just football related aside from just the travel that they have to figure out because you know you look at the stretch of the Giants, the Jets, and then going to Washington, and you think that they should be relatively games that the Packers should come out six and one at the end of it. But after seeing last week against a third string quarterback, um, I think the next three games, starting with the Giants, will be very telling for how quickly they can kind of start to figure some things out here. And it's just even more complicated having to go to London to to do so. See, and that's why Matt Lafleur blames us for creating the narrative that they have games won before they start because you say stuff like that. Yeah, way to go. Everyone's thinking teams, it's the NFL. No, I thought that was ridiculous how he said that. Well, he he was just like, oh, you know, you got to avoid thinking you've won games before that. they start. We that, yeah. We were like, all right, well, you're making it seem like you guys did that. Then he was like, no, that's you guys. But it is. And you'd yeah. think that NFL players, they're professional athletes. Of course, yeah. you want to think that they aren't feeling that way. But I, I think it's kind of hard to not go into a game with the mentality that, this shouldn't be as hard as maybe facing Tom Brady in Tampa. I mean, you know, you're right. going up against at least the second string quarterback. So I'm and sure it doesn't they're, matter they're, when your yeah. run defense is Swiss cheese. Very true. I think this, this stretch is really, really interesting because while it's technically. There it goes. Defense, Holy. He did it. He did it. He did it. Yes. I told you it would happen. I told you. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. I love the pure joy on your face. This is awesome. Oh, my God. Look, he did it. I don't know if I'm allowed to show Yes Network on this stream. Probably not, but that's okay. (laughs) That's amazing. I think they still (laughs) be happy that more people are are in Finally. That is unbelievable. And, yes, it's the real record. This would happen. 11 more. He's not on steroids. This All is right, go ahead. Keep talking about the Packers. I'm going to watch. I don't this. even know where I want to go with this anymore. That's amazing. Uh, congratulations to you and all Yankee <laughs> fans out there. I mean, that's just awesome for baseball. Uh, no, no question about it, too. Oh, my head's there it too is. big for this hat to fit. Hold you on. have to keep it on now, I think. That is awesome. What a great piece of, uh, what a great moment as we're listening to this. But You'll have that saved forever in your memory. I know. This is one of the oh, great. I get my reaction on there. Oh, I love that. All right. Oh, keep, yeah, sorry. We're be able to, like, hijacking this. Keep talking about this. No, this is, this is way better. Um, let's talk about uh, the next five games, though, just really quick, because I, I think while it's technically two home games and then they've got, of course, the three game road stretch, this is five stadiums in five days with a decent amount of travel, specifically when you think about London as well. So, yeah, there are some teams that are not the greatest involved in that outside of the Bills. Uh, what Lions, Commanders, Jets, Giants, that feels like a four and one stretch at, at worst. But when you go that much travel in a five days, your five game stretch in five weeks, that there's definitely going to be some challenges that come with that. I'll let anyone go there if they want, or we can go to the next topic. Sorry, yeah, I'm a little that's, distracted that's right now. <laughs> I, oh, yes, wow. Andy, it's, it's challenging for sure. Um, and yeah, especially like we said, I mean, the bills is kind of what's looming at the end of the month and you want to go in, to that you'd like to win the next three games before you head into into the bills and hopefully figure a lot of things out before that game too i, I totally agree all right let's let's talk about that swiss cheese run defense that, yes. that matt talked about I, I thought it was a very interesting comment uh from matt lafleur mm-hmm. uh, uh you know basically saying you, you know yeah sometimes we need to get out of our, our two shell our two high safeties and we need to bring a guy down in the box especially when we know they're going to run the football that seemed like a, a pretty cutting comment towards his defensive coordinator of what he's expecting moving forward you posted some uh, cut-ups uh, from the game, and I'm sure it's going to be, uh, if it's not up already, uh, in your film breakdown from this week about 
not exactly setting the edge the best. I know there was a play from Devondre Campbell where Campbell didn't set it. There was another one from um, Garvin, I think, the right after that. Mm-hmm. That happened as well. Um, this team did not do the, uh, you know, kind of the fundamentals well in the run defense, but I feel like the, you know, the coordinator didn't always set them up for success, which Matt LaFleur mentioned as well. What was your takeaway from your film review as well as from Matt LaFleur's comments, Matt? Yeah, well, I'm only about eight minutes into the all 22 of the game since that's going up Thursday, but from watching it live, I mean, one of the most glaring things was on the Patriots go ahead drive uh, late in the game when they, when the ref said number 61 is now eligible before every single play because they brought in a sixth offensive lineman and the Packers had no answer for it. I mean, you got to match that. You got to be the aggressor. And, and too often uh, we see veterans like Dean Lowry and Darnell Savage either getting completely run over or grasping at air on tackles. And the two clips I posted, um, and I'm sure there will be more in my story in, in two mornings from now, is you have – Rashawn Gary, who's been phenomenal against the pass, but not as good against the run. Uh, Jonathan Garvin, Jaron Reed, Devondre Campbell, get out to the edge. Like, it's not like Damian Harris is already all the way out there. They're, like, in line with these guys, and they're just getting beat around the edge. Like, you got to get off blocks, get to the edge. And a couple stats I came across today, which I think these are are pretty telling, because, like, yards, yards per rush allowed, you know, it's indicative of how you're struggling. But, like, on third and one, teams aren't trying maybe to get 20 yards. So they'll only have one yard because that's what they need for the first down. So that obviously reflects better on the Packers yards per rush allowed, but uh, three that I want to point out yards per rush allowed on first and second down. So when teams are trying to get more yards, 5.26, that's 29th in the NFL yards after contact per rush allowed. So can you bring guy down on first contact 3.36 yards after contact allowed per rush? That's 25th in the NFL and percentage of opponent rushes for no gain or a loss, only 17.6%. That's 22nd in the NFL. And who do they have up next? The guy who's leading the NFL in rushing yards. So we'll see if they can do anything to fix it. That was my next question for for Nicole, is that they do have Saquon Barkley coming in, and that's going to be a major challenge. What does Green Bay need to do to kind of shore that up and get that fixed? And and do you think they can get it done on a week where they have to travel to London and, uh, and kind of make the corrections that they saw from a week ago against New England? Yeah, I mean, I think you can almost use the Bucks game, too, as an example, where you saw the way the Packers were able to contain the run in that game. I think it's just the inconsistency being the main issue. LaFleur mentioned the physicality being uh, a factor in it. They just need to come out and be much more physical. But I also think it comes down to those adjustments. And it was almost, not to say LaFleur was calling out Joe Barry, but a little bit, a little bit of a nudge that these adjustments have to happen. And you can even use the Vikings game as an example when, we had that whole zone versus man debacle and there was no really adjustment made. So I think, you know, when something's working for a team, you have to be able to adjust to it. And we didn't really see, I guess, much of that um, the other day. So again, it's a mix of that. It's a mix of making the adjustments, but it's obviously a mix too of the players owning their responsibility and coming out aggressive and physical, especially when you're facing a guy like Saquon Barkley. There, there were a few things at play, I think, this week. I think the first was, as Matt mentioned, some of the players just not holding up their end of the bargain. I thought Kenny you know, Clark, well, he's been phenomenal through the course of the season, had an uncharacteristic performance, um, just not holding up. And guess what? That means Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell are going to have to do a little bit more heavy lifting because some guys are actually getting to the second level, which isn't usually the case. Um, they didn't respond very well to that. We saw guys, again, on the edge, whether it be Jonathan Garvin, Rashawn Gary, uh, Devondre Campbell on the play, et cetera. Um, not hold up their end of the bargain there. And then, as you've mentioned, Matt, there's been some missed tackles too. So, you know, I get wanting to play the two high safeties and wanting to be safe and make sure that you're not allowing explosive plays, something Green Bay has been okay at so far this year. Um, but, you know, you've got to then make sure that you're doing your job up front. And I don't think the guys up front necessarily did that this weekend with uh, enough physicality, as Matt LaFleur mentioned as well. And then I think, you know, kind of having a counter to some of those, like, you know, Bill Belichick's going to have a, a bunch of, you know, different things that he's going to throw your way and not having something to counter. Well, it's six offensive linemen. Like, this isn't this isn't something like out of the blue, like totally new, like it's never been done before. Like you add an extra guy in the box. If you need to add, you know, go for defensive, like you can go in so many different directions to have a counter for that. They just didn't. And, you know, new England put up two touchdown drives in the second half in large part because of it. So I think lack of adjustments, lack of bringing that extra safety down, getting outnumbered in the run game. And then guys just not doing their job. You're going to have all of a sudden, some of those run numbers look poor. 
And thankfully you're playing Bailey Zappi and Brian Hoyer and can get out of there still with a win, because if you've got a better quarterback in that game, that game might be over in the first half based on how that team played. Um, let's go from there. Let's talk, uh, uh, you know, kind of in a similar vein uh, about Devondre Campbell, because Matt, you kind of mentioned it before uh, mm-hmm. in jest about, you know, a new linebacker maybe taking the spot, uh, but Devondre has not been all, you know, first team, all, you know, all pro Devondre through the course of this season so far. Um, there've been missed tackles. I, I don't know if it was you who tweeted out that he had yeah. six missed tackles already and only mm-hmm. four, uh, all of last season. Is there anything that you've noticed different from him or is it just not making plays the way that we saw a season ago? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing to point out is that Missing only four tackles in a season for an inside linebacker who's on the field pretty much every snap is ungodly. Like, yeah. there was bound to be, just like perhaps with Aaron Rodgers off of winning two straight MVPs, a slight regression at least. We've seen a little bit more than that this year. Um, I don't know if I can pinpoint any, anything specific. He just doesn't seem like that guy who can cover sideline to sideline and get and let nothing get past him. It's not like a, a blown, a, an egregious blown coverage. It's just like the the play I tweeted about. Like, he has enough ground to get Damian Harris. He's basically in line with him, and Harris just comes around the edge. Look, I understand he's a running back and Campbell's a linebacker who's much bigger, but we just don't see the same game-breaking stops that he had last year. You know, it reminds me, and this is going to sound like an insult, probably because it is, but the the Christian Kirksey, Blake Martinez days here of years past because – yeah, they would have a lot of tackles, but it would be five yards past the first down marker or when they reach out the guy's legs from behind after they got beat. So that could probably be the case now. Look, it's only four games in. He's got plenty of time. I'm not going to say yet, oh, of course, the contract was a a mistake. You know, he's a bust. He was a one-hit wonder. It's just we're we're not seeing the same level of wrap up and get the guy down at first contact that we did last year. Nicole, anything that you've noticed with Devondre or anything that you think he can do going forward that, uh, you know, can kind of bring his game back to the level it was a season ago? No, kind of just echoing what Matt said. Um, and also my biggest thing, too, is like he said, when when you see a player so exceed your expectations last season, it's hard to I mean, you want to see the same things from them. But obviously there's likely to be a regression. It's hard to keep that up. Um, and, you know, you still see things like he does in the Tampa game. He's, he's the reason that the Packers won that game. He broke up the two-point conversion. So, obviously, still a valuable player. Um, but just, yeah, the missed tackles, I think, kind of raising everyone's eyebrows right now. So, hopefully, it's only been four games. Hopefully, he gets that cleaned up starting now. Yeah, totally agree. I think this is going to be a really interesting week when you look at, you know, kind of this run defense going against Saquon Barkley and how they kind of respond off of last week. Because I think if this team plays a little bit better team defense, I think everyone gets set up for success a little bit better. We we talked about setting the edge, right? You set the edge, it funnels everything back inside. And guess what? Probably Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, those guys are going to look better because everything's coming right to them. Kenny Clark's holding up at the point of attack and then you're getting easy tackles that way. Like, 
people doing their basic jobs is going to set everyone up for more playmaking opportunities. And I don't think we've seen a ton of that. Obviously, Rashawn and Kenny have had a really great start to the season and they're making big plays. Um, but I think if everyone kind of does their job, they're 111th, as Matt LaFleur likes to say. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of these guys start having better performances. Mm -hmm. Let's go to another player who is struggling with performance a little bit. And that is Amari Rogers offensively not getting any opportunities, I think sort of understandably, um, but is still a kick returner is still a punt returner. Um, I don't know about you guys. I thought the one play, uh, the one punt return where I think schooler made the tackle. Um, he was basically one-on-one -on -one and, and, you know, Amari tries to, I guess, tries to what you would maybe call a juke. Um, and then schooler just brings him down with relative ease it doesn't seem like he has that extra gear right now to separate in a return capacity. Nicole, I'll start with you. Is this something that they need to address and go in a different direction? Or are you more willing to say, Hey, it's four games. Let's give Amari a little bit more time here. I go more with the first one that I think it's something they need to address. And I think that his future is definitely in question with the Packers. Um, he's not really doing anything spectacular to stand out on special teams. And then we're not seeing anything from him on offense. And again, he's not being put out there. So it's hard to know what he could do. But clearly, I think something must be happening in practice. And we, we heard Aaron Rodgers' response when asked about it a few weeks ago. Um, he didn't have much to say. And you know with Rodgers, whether it's good or bad, you want to hear him talking about the guys that he wants to see on the field. Um, so I, I think there must just be something that we don't get to see at practice anymore that's not clicking with Amari, mistakes, whatever it may be. Um, but I think at this point, it's, it's probably safe to say that the team is maybe also trying to figure out what to do with him. Matt? Yeah, I, I think Nicole brought up a good point. You know, the less Rogers says, the worse. And that was pretty telling because whether it be with Dobbs or Watson or even Jawan Winfrey or mm -hmm. Samori Ture, like he had more to say about them, whether it was good or bad. And the fact that, look, it didn't take Aaron Rodgers to tell us that Amari Rodgers didn't have a role on this offense. Um, look, I don't know if the Packers brought him in saying, oh, we're going to let him learn behind Cobb for a year, then have him take over. Randall Cobb has done nothing to uh, tell the Packers that they should take him off the field. Rodgers right. was saying on McAfee today that he wants Randall mm -hmm. Cobb to get more snaps and thinks he should. Um, but look, Amari Rodgers just can't really – I don't say this literally because he had made guy has made guys miss, but – he has no explosiveness as a return man. He, he had one good return. I guess the improvement he's shown this year, and it wasn't even the case all Sunday, was he's not making completely head-scratching decisions. Like, you remember that Kansas City game last year where him and Malik Taylor both kind of half went for the pun. It bounced off someone's foot. The Chiefs recovered. He had one like that at the end of the game where he fielded it like on a bounce at midfield with four seconds left. Yep. If, if that takes a wrong hop, the Patriots have a chance at a Hail Mary to win the game. Um, so still the decision-making isn't all the way there. He's had a couple, you know, eight, 12 yard returns that don't make Packer fans, you know, cringe and like coil up because they think something is going to go horribly wrong, which I guess is an improvement. But listen, if you want the special teams to really round into form, the coverage units have been good for the most part, except on mm -hmm. Sunday, the field goal operation has been great. The punt team has been great. You need a return guy who can make a difference. And Amari Rogers just is not it now. I don't know if that means you put Randall Cobb out there. He's obviously, and I mean this with all due respect, more fragile than some of the younger guys. Do you want to yeah. risk him getting hurt, especially because of the role he has on offense? Do you want to risk Romeo Dobbs out there? But like is the case with the rest of special teams, sometimes you need to use a starter to make a difference. The Packers have taken that mentality to their coverage units, and it's worked in some regards. They, they were using Kylan Hill last year before right. he was hurt a little bit, right? Yeah, he was their kick returner last year, um, and the Packers might need to use a more impactful guy like Dobbs who can make people miss, or, I don't know, Randall Cobb, don't put Jair back there because he's just a wild boy back there, as we know. Um, but listen, maybe put Dobbs back there because yeah. Mari Rogers doesn't seem like the answer. And, and, like, the thing that always blows my mind is, like, I get with a 53 man roster that, like, it's really tough to have, like, a specialist that just does one thing, or, you know, but, like, you've got 69 spots to play with now, including a 16 man practice squad. And you can call up a guy three times to give him a shot as just like a returner. If you want to, I, I know you still have 48, you know, you know, game day spots or whatever, but like, 
well, let's get somebody who, and I know Ballantyne did it a little bit, but let's get somebody that's a little bit more of a return specialist, at least on the practice squad, where if you've got an extra spot to play with, maybe you can try somebody as a kick returner, punt returner, and see if they can make a difference and see if they can be that guy. Because I've liked some of the blocking that's been set up. I think if that's a more dynamic returner, you might get some real explosive plays. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know that that guy's on the roster. Like Christian Watson, I think, could do a great job kick returning. I don't know if you trust his hands enough. Uh, to yeah. put him back there. Um, that could be a little bit of an adventure. Kylan Hill, when he gets back, I loved what he did last year. I'm not sure if you want the guy coming off of an ACL coming off, like when he injured it, I think is a kick returner. It was, play. yeah. He took um, it out from 17 yards deep in the end zone against Arizona. Yeah. So like, I don't, you know, you want to put him back there right away as a kick returner when he got, that's how he got hurt. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they just got some answers there. And I, I just, I struggle to think that Amari said, I, I was hopeful for Amari coming into the season uh, to potentially take a step and have a role, best shape of his life season. So much hype about him for sure this off season. Yeah. And it hasn't, hasn't exactly come to fruition so far, but uh, we'll see if you think if, if he was a seventh round pick, is he still on the roster right now? Do you think? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, the thing I said a couple times was the only reason Jay Sternberger stuck around here as long as he did was because he was a third round pick. I mean, the clock still ran out. At some point, there were very few people that I apparently didn't have enough influence that did not want him on the team a second year because he just wasn't it. But that's the NFL, you know, general managers as good of a job as Goody has done. He has an ego that he wants to protect. And listen, if Amari Rogers keeps at this pace, he certainly won't be on the team after this year, or at least shouldn't be. So we'll see. Yeah. And I think that'll be one that, that, is worth keeping an eye on. You you brought up Randall Cobb though, and uh, I don't know where we can go with this, but like the guy on third down has been absolutely ridiculous so far this season. He came up with a, a few key catches in that game, plus a, a holding penalty uh, that drew a first down on a key third down. Um, he was integral to them last game. I, I'm not sure about that audible to Elton or, or the audible, <laughs> the uh, lateral to Elton Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, that was probably not. That wasn't was audible. That was not the call. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a great point. But yeah, uh, that clearly was not uh, in the cards. But outside of that, he came up with some key plays. Uh, what have you seen out of uh, Randall so far, Nicole? Well, the thing with Randall too is, you know, everyone. The, the first thought is that, well, he's only here because Rogers wants him here, which isn't a lie. I mean, that probably is true. But you see how valuable he is. Um, on third down. And as Roger said on McAfee, I think Scheinman said that he wants to see him out on the field more and maybe mm-hmm. Cobb deserves to be because he's come up big every time they've needed him to. And that's him on the football field. But there's also so much value of, of having him in that wide receiver room right now, being a vet and being the voice to pass along what Rogers wants. I mean, that's a guy who knows Rogers inside and out. And the young guys in that room need that when Rogers can't be in there, they need to be learning from Randall Cobb. And I think that kind of is just, it's a combination. He's showing that he's still very valuable on the field. He's a guy Rodgers can kind of go to. It's a bit automatic on third down, but he's also a guy that I think they really need in that room right now when it's such a young room that still has a ways to go. Um, so I think Randall Cobb is very valuable here. And I think people are talking about him more this week after Sunday's game. And I, I rightfully so. Totally agreed, Matt. Can you hear my laundry in in the way background? I hope not. It's, causing a freaking ruckus back there <laughs> no. okay good um and also by the way this is not beer this is water that i've been drinking Look I with that. To stay yeah. hydrated uh, the presenting sponsor of head of the pack by the way um they sent they, me they sponsor pack at a2 so we're in good hands oh fantastic that, is, that doesn't look like water well it is it's sparkling water they sent me this for free so thank you um <laughs> excluding the senseless lateral or that play at least because that play did also go for a first down, but I'm not counting that because the Patriots weren't, weren't really playing defense. Randall Cobb has 10 catches this year, including that. So eight of his nine other catches have earned a first down. He's caught five balls on third down and all five have gone for first downs. Like he, he's just automatic. And, and he was saying in the locker room after the game the other day, this is the best he's felt in two to three years. And, and he joked, um, you guys have put me in the retirement home. You guys think I should be in a nursing home. I, I feel great. And listen, it's kind of the unsung storyline that uh, is making this Packers receiver core go as Dobbs and Watson kind of figure things out. Sammy Watkins is hurt. Who does Rogers have to go to? Lazard and Cobb. And Cobb's that situational receiver. Who knows? He said this the other night. He knows he has a different role than he did five, six years ago, seven years ago on this team. He's not going to be on the field as much. He might more now because of what Rogers said, but he's a guy that just 
knows everything. Him and Rogers are best friends. Uh, and, and Rogers has said before, and he said with Pat today, perhaps equally as important is telling the rookie receivers exactly what Rogers wants when Rogers isn't in the room. And Rogers said that's a huge, huge part of Randall's role on this team. He's been with Aaron since, you know, for the last decade. And it just accelerates that learning curve for the younger receivers that they have number 18 in there to be like, all right, this is what Aaron wants on this route. Instead of Rogers having to take time on the practice field in a rushed moment to do that. His veteran presence has clearly been huge, obviously been massive on third downs. I I really like this wide receiver core coming into the season. I I know it's a little bit of a, um, I don't even know what you want to call it, like a grab bag. You get a little bit of this, a little bit of that from these different guys. But my, my big question coming into the year was like, all right, it's third and 15. It's an obvious passing situation. Like who's going to be the guy that steps up in those situations that Rogers trusts, that's going to get open. I really wanted to see that and know that. And I guess, you know, I should have known better. I probably should have guessed that it was going to be Randall Cobb, um, but that's been his go-to in those situations so far. And so far Cobb's come up money as you, Matt, you, you tweeted out and you just mentioned the statistics. He has been the guy that in the tough situations, when you have to get a first down, it's third and 18, which I mean, Mm -hmm. third and Randall Cobb, which has been absolutely amazing. So third and Cobb. Third and Cobb, third and 18, whatever we want to call it. It's been Put fantastic. It What's that? Put it on a shirt. Put it on a shirt. I'm it's sure it's on a shirt by now. At some point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Probably somebody's making money off of it. Probably not <laughs> us because we're not smart enough to make shirts, I guess. But um, Matt, I want to talk about something that you put out um, on The Athletic. You put out your quarterly report. And uh, I don't obviously want you to spoil everything. I want everyone to go out and read your amazing work at The Athletic. But I'll spoil it. I don't care. Maybe one or two things that were kind of your big you know, takeaways through the first quarter of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions we were given to answer was, has what the team you covered done in the first quarter of the season been expected or not? This is about what we expected with the Packers, and I, I think Nicole can agree with that. Like, we expected the offense to have some bumps – we expected them to probably be three and one after four games or four and zero. Oh. Um, the unexpected things were, I think, Aaron Rodgers has played worse than everyone expected. Um, but is that really a surprise? Maybe we've just been too conditioned to expect perfect football the last two seasons. So, yes, there have been some decisions he's made that have been head scratching. And in my now four years covering the team, I haven't heard a stretch where Rodgers is this critical of himself. Like after he threw that interception in week one where he just threw up a jump ball for Randall Cobb uh, with Harrison Smith in coverage, he was like, that was a dumb decision by me. And he said he played terribly in the first half. He said on the Romeo Dobbs interception, I didn't like where I threw that. Like we, we haven't seen him talk about himself like that. Not because he hasn't been accountable, but because he just hasn't had plays where he's had to show accountability yeah. for them. Uh, special teams has improved, and that's obviously with some of the field position stuff that Pat O'Donnell has been able to do, um, you know, set up the defense better. The defense hasn't lived up to expectations that people both inside and outside the locker room have set. But two things I want to ask you guys about. I, I would say MVP and, you know, breakout player. I chose Rashawn Gary for MVP and Dobbs for breakout player. I mean, he leads the team in receiving yards, catches, uh, tied for the lead in receiving touchdowns, and then Rashawn Gary has just been a beast. And and really that pass rush has saved this defense from not completely falling apart, but he's been the the best player on this defense. And like I wrote last week, he's going to cost the Packers a hell of a lot of money. Nicole, do you have an answer, Schreider? Just to say that I think those are the probably two that would be the best fit for those – for breakout and for MVP so far. I mean, Rashawn Gary has been by hands down the best player on this defense so far. He's been the bright spot when I think otherwise, like you said, the defense has kind of been lower than both inside and outside the locker room expected. Um, and then Romeo Dobbs. I'm a big Romeo Dobbs fan because I just, he's so shy. and He talks so quietly. He does, and it's just, he's just so precious. And we love talking to him in the locker room. I mean, you know, he's very quiet. We want him to talk a little louder, we always say. But he's just a good, I mean, he, you just, you know that he cares and he's really trying to say the right thing. Um, And that's off the field stuff, but just big Romeo Dobbs fan. And I think that he has, I do think, of course, you're going to see the mistakes, the rookie mistakes from him, like the uh, would, would have been touched down the other day. Obviously you want to see him hold on to that. But the thing about him and Matt LaFleur always says this is 
he's not afraid to get the ball again and he's not going to make the same mistake you know, in the same sequence twice. Like Rogers is still going to have to throw to him because he has no other choice. And Dobbs doesn't really flinch after those moments. Um, so I think that Dobbs, for the most part, has lived up to what we expected after all that hype he got during training camp. So definitely the breakout player, I think, so far. Yeah, so. I think as far as the first one, MVP, like the, to me, there would only be two choices, Rashawn or, or, or Kenny. Like those are, to me, I don't think anyone else um, gets in the conversation too much. So uh, Aaron Jones, one, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But he had the fumble against Tampa too. Right. Um, had a really rough blitz pickup that Alan Lazard was wide open for a touchdown this week too. But um, overall, uh, I, I love Aaron. He's, he's been phenomenal too. But I, I would say probably Rashawn, I think is the right pick. Cause I, I think he single-handedly won them a game this week um, where if he doesn't have that game, they're probably two and two. So yeah, I, I think that's a fair one breakout player. Like you could maybe make like an obtuse argument for like a Rudy Ford on special teams or like a Pat O'Donnell or something like that. But as far as like a true breakout, yeah, I think, I think uh, Romeo is the one, because like, I think people forget, like this is a fourth round pick. Like this is Jamon Moore territory. And we saw like Jamon Moore couldn't even get on the field. Right. Like, Jesus. so I know that like they're, they're picked there on the exact same spot. And it, this is, there's it's no foregone conclusion that this guy can even get on the field, much less have an impact. The fact that he's making plays on the field that at times are reminiscent of some of the really great wide receivers that we've seen over the years in green Bay is a heck of a Testament. Is it perfect? No. Are there some hiccups and mistakes along the way? Of course, but man, you can see the future very clearly with Romeo Dobbs and he's already been a breakout guys. I, I don't have an argument with either of those picks. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to add about Dobbs and I think uh, I'm glad Nicole brought it up is like a lot of times in week one, you saw Christian Watson drop that ball and Rogers didn't really go to him again. I, I know he got a couple more touches, but I remember in the preseason game against the chiefs, I believe it was might've been the 49ers. He had that bad drop on the sideline, but then the very next play, he caught a slant in traffic for nine yards uh, and held on against the uh, Patriots. He has the fumble on his first touch, but then Rogers keeps going back to him, has two big catches on the last drive, mm -hmm. even after he drops the, the touchdown against the Buccaneers. He fumbles his first touch, even though he recovered it and then goes on to have eight catches on his, or I guess seven more catches on his other seven targets. A it's impressive for a rookie to kind of just, we talk a lot about compartmentalizing. It's easier said than done you have a not a backbreaking mistake but a mistake and then just to like flush that and come around and have big moments later in the game and it also speaks to Rodgers trust in him like Aaron Rodgers is a guy granted this year it's more out of necessity perhaps than desire that he keeps going to Dobbs but when I asked Rodgers about it after the game he basically said I threw a third down back shoulder fade to him for a touchdown of course I have confidence in the kid like the good Romeo does outweighs the bad and that has instilled his trust in Rogers. And I think uh, that's evident and he's going to keep going to him. And guess what? They're going to have to live with the occasional drop just like they did with MVS because the 75 yard touchdown that you got from MVS is going to outweigh the, the drop you had on, you know, second and 11 or something. And just like they got through some of the hiccups with Devonte Adams in his second year too. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it takes time for these rookies. And I tweeted out, he's like right on pace with any of these rookie wider, like the, the rookie season, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, uh, Devonte Adams, like Jennings is the only one, James Jones, Jennings is the only one that has like a little step on any of the other ones. He's, he's probably second best of that entire group so far. Um, so it's been an impressive four game start. And uh, to me, it may, it may not have seemed like much, on that last drive where it's just like, you know, kind of those run solutions um, to, to Dobbs, but like the faith and trust on an overtime drive for Rogers to check out of a run and throw those quick hot routes to, to Romeo on the outside. I guarantee, I know he, like you said, he threw the back shoulder to him. So of course he trusts him, but that I guarantee that's going to go even further to build Rogers trust with him that he, in that situation went back to back to him to get those pickups and, and Romeo delivered. Um, that's going to go a long way with 12 and I, I would be my guess. Uh, let's, uh, let's finish up with a couple quick thoughts here. I want to quickly go over the state of the offensive line. Uh, I thought the other big telling thing from Matt LaFleur's presser this week was when asked specifically if like, is, do you need to get Yash at right tackle? And what do you say? Maybe like, or like that's it's certainly, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. They're thinking about it. That, that certainly it's been a discussion for them. Um, you know, Nicole, I'll start with you. Do you want to see Yash at right tackle and Elton kicked inside or like, wh what is the best iteration of this Packers offensive line in your opinion? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's not a hot take to say that Yash Nyman is one of their best five, so probably needs to be out there. Um, I think 
my question is more so like when will they make the change i i think that we probably will see a change but i'm just more wondering how long they'll wait before they make it and i think part of that is probably making you need to make sure that bakhtiari is good to go and right now it seems like things have been pretty positive for him um but i mean yeah i think there's definitely to you put nyman on the right side put jenkins inside and i maybe it was schneidman who i heard talking about it or say something about it do you put Jenkins on the left side with Bakhtiari and then move Runyon over? So I think it, it's more of a, yes, Nyman is part of that best five. It's, it's pretty set in stone who the best five are. It's just a matter of who's playing the best where, and that's what they need to figure out. And I'm sure there's a lot of that going on behind closed doors um, that we won't find out about until we see them on the field together. And, and that's a, that's a good point. And best five is different than best five at their positions. Cause mm-hmm. like Yash Nyman at left tackle is in the best five, but so is David Bakhtiari at left tackle and you can't play both of them at the same time. Um, Lafleur said that they have rep Nyman at right tackle in practice, but we all know that means nothing if he can't do it in a game. Um, Elton has played one career snap at right guard and it was either in a preseason game or on a field goal unit, I believe. It wasn't in like an actual game, or maybe it was in a kneel down scenario, not on like a meaningful snap. I'm sure he could do it, but we just don't know if he can. Um, John Runyon Jr. is in the best five right now. And if he can switch over to right guard, then I think that's the move. It's a big if, because I understand I'm simplifying that switch a lot. It's not as easy as, as I'm making it out to be. But if John Runyon Jr. and Yash Nyman can play on the right side at right guard and right tackle, respectively, then your best five is David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, uh, Runyon, and Nyman. And sure, I know everyone wants Zach Tom. Just put in Zach Tom over Royce Newman. That's nice that he was good in a couple joint practices and preseason games. We don't know if the kid can play in, in an actual game against actual defensive lines. He might be able to, but... I think the coaches would much rather uh, the veterans that they have right now, like they, they kind of had to put in Josh Myers at center out of necessity last year as a rookie because they didn't have Corey Lindsley. They needed Elton at left tackle because Bakhtiari uh, was injured. So I think that that's the best five. Royce Newman hasn't been as bad as, as people think, but Agreed. even with what he's been, he's not in the best five. Um, so we'll see what they do. Like Nicole said, I don't know how imminent that change is, but I don't think it's too far down the road because I don't think right tackle is Elton's best position. No, I agree. Having Royce Newman as your first guy off the bench and then Zach Tom after that, and then Jake Hansen after that, like that's a good six, seven, eight. That's where those guys should slot in. Um, And I think if you can figure out those top five, you know, an ideal situation. I think Nicole, you mentioned a great point as well Is like, maybe they would have liked to put Yash at right tackle all along, but with David's injury situation and not knowing if they, you know, he's going to be able to make it through a full game. It's tough to rep him at right tackle all week. And then all of a sudden David's like, up, oh, not going to be able to get through this game. And then he's got to switch back to left and your entire plan is immediately out the window. I think if they start gaining confidence that David's going to be able to play consistently at left tackle, then maybe they make that switch. And I think, as you said, like the timing is going to be key there. It does seem like their best five are two left tackles, two left guards and a center. And that's obviously yeah. a, a challenge that they've got to figure out because um, and I'll, the last thing I'll say here is I, I think that they have to keep the long-term in mind too. Like, uh, you, they have the opportunity to, to get Yash back next season as well. Um, you know, Bakhtiari is probably not going anywhere based off of his contract. Myers is going to be here while Newman, Tom, um, you know, those guys are going to be here. Runyon's not going anywhere. Like they have the opportunity, I think, to kind of make this decision for not only now, but like what's going to work best, assuming they're healthy week one of the playoffs, but also what's their best term, you know, best long-term alignment. I, I have a feeling Elton's going to probably get paid as well. So like, if you think Elton's your best left guard and you want to keep Elton and Bakhtiari next to each other, and you think Runyon and, and Nyman can play the right side and they just need to get acclimated to it better now than like later in the season, or, you know, just make that decision now rip the bandaid and see what they can do. So I'll be interested to see if they make any changes, but it does seem like for a team that has stressed best five offensive linemen for, I don't know, since Matt LaFleur like walked in the building um, that right now they haven't been doing that. And it probably would indicate that maybe they'll make a change at some point. Matt, were you going to add something? No, no, I, I agree with everything there. Awesome. 
Guys, this has been absolutely amazing. I want to get you guys out of here. Matt, you got to start getting some sleep ahead of time for London. And no, you've got a bunch of uh, Aaron Judge uh, celebrations to attend to. So Rob already, Demovsky already clipped a video of my reaction and put it on Twitter. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, jeez. Fantastic. I can't freaking wait. I um, can't pretend to be happy. Uh, <laughs> I like, you know what? I like Aaron Judge because he could be a future Red Sox. So I'll get out of here. No way. If he's also, a future... I brought my floss. Oh, oh wow. there it is. Oh, it's she knows how to play to the crowd there with the floss. Absolutely amazing. So like mid-game flossing? Listen, I care about my dental hygiene and I don't want to be walking around with stuff in my teeth. So I bring floss and sometimes you just got to get in there. Whatever. I appreciate your dental. My dentist hygiene. appreciates it. I, I more yeah, appreciate uh, you guys taking the time and doing this. Uh, you guys are the absolute best. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Nicole, tell us what you're working on and where we can find your work and where we can follow you on Twitter. I am working on a uh, same old, same old Packer season keeps us busy. Um, mm -hmm. And a little high school football thrown in there too, because we do it all at Fox 11. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's just at Nicole Menner because I'm boring and have no creativity and instagram is the same and that's about it awesome thank you so much again and then matt where can we find your work and uh tell us about the the quarterly article and anything else you got coming up yeah i won't be plugging my instagram because i have nothing that is worth your time on there i post work related things on instagram so there you well go. yeah no i'm just saying i'm just not worth anyone's time in general on instagram but uh yeah, I don't have the same diversity that they do at Fox 11. I only cover the Packers. Um, nothing too grand in the hopper right now. If you want to check out what I wrote today, go ahead. I won't hate you if you don't. A couple more things coming this week and then fun London trip. So uh, if I'm not sleeping during the game, I'll have you covered. So will Fox 11 from London. Do you London, have a nice England. suit picked out? Uh, no, because I don't like packing heavy on road trips. And but London, you must have a, you got to have a cool. Yeah. Outfit. I mean, I'll bring one. I don't want to have to check my bag, you know, across, you know, an ocean. So I'll, I'll have a suit, but this isn't something where I like plan it out 10 days in advance. I'll, I'll pick out something right before I leave for my flight. It'll be worthwhile, but not, not my normal a game stuff. Probably. You got to get something while you're there. That solves the problem. Get, you know, go to a fancy uh, boutique and get yourself a brand new suit. A nice European outfit. I'm on a budget right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you guys are absolute legends. Thank you so much for doing this. And Matt, by the way, is extremely underselling his work at The Athletic. It is worth the subscription fee Thank alone. Uh, film breakdowns are fantastic. And uh, obviously all the work that he does, as well as Jason Wilde and the rest of The Athletic crew. But uh, again, Matt's worth it for the uh, price of admission alone. So make sure to follow both of them on Twitter, at Nicole Menner, at Matt Schneidman. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. I'll be right back here tomorrow on YouTube. We got happy hour coming up on Friday before the big game. So check that out as well. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.